it's good to be here for, for Di and I. Um, what, what's different for us? Um, so we've settled in very quickly in Heel Green uh, to the, the fellowship there. It's where we've lived for 20 years. People that we know, the streets and the community, so, so familiar to us. So it's been good and we, we feel we've settled in quickly. Um, I'm already um, there Sunday mornings putting out the chairs. Um, so, you know, you kind of get um, familiar really quickly. Di hasn't started making the coffee yet. Just made a note of that. Um, and um, we, we've um, uh, opened our home up, so twice a month, um, what is called a life group, a connect group, is held in our, in our home. And uh, we just host that and um, uh, two other couples lead it. Um, but that, that's great. It's good to, that we've really kind of connected very quickly. Um, we're all well. The family's all well. Um, we've got one, uh, one of ours, our youngest, our 23-year-old at home. The others have flown the coop. <laughs> no. And um, uh, so, so that's great. Di's still working locally um, in Heel Green. You can just about see the door of work from our front door, so that's nice and local. I... Um, Continue to work in Bolton, so four days a week, travel around the M60 or um, do the scary thing of using the train and try and get to Bolton somewhere around start time. But the trains are never that reliable. Um, so, so that's good. My council role continues. Just had some local elections, although my particular seat wasn't up for, um, for re-election. My colleagues was, and um, we had a new candidate in, and uh, she won incredibly convincingly so a real big well 70 percent of the vote from our ward for for our for my colleagues so a real resounding um, mandate really for for us as a group to uh, continue what we're doing locally in terms of the local council scene um, i'm really um increasingly involved in a prayer movement in stockport a prayer movement that's really kind of one of the key leaders are nathan and laura willens who many of you will know um, and so Renew Stockport are gaining momentum in terms of praying for Stockport as a whole. Um, so, so that's good as well. We, um, I guess one kind of really good thing that's happening is, is our ability to reach the, um, the Muslim community in Heald Green. So about 10% of our population are Asians and we have two mosques in Heald Green. And um, our ability to actually um, reach them is great. So some ladies from the fellowship meet on a regular basis with ladies from the mosque and they eat together and they take it in turns to read the New Testament and the Quran. And there's a real kind of sharing together there. And just after the horrific events in New Zealand, um, I made contact with both mosques in Heel Green and just said, I'd love to come and stand with you as a sort of sign of, of, of care, of solidarity, to let you know that we are praying for you. And um, I, I got an immediate response saying, oh, please do. And I turned up at one mosque on the Friday lunchtime. It's the, it's the big prayer event when all the men of the community come to pray. And um, I thought I would just go there and stand and say, you know, um, thank you for being a part of our community. And um, we love you, respect you, pray for you. And um, when I got there, they said, oh, um, you're, you're on straight after the imam. And so I had the opportunity at, at Friday uh, prayer time to, to, uh, to speak to all the men from the mosque there. And I was able to say that I am too a man of faith, that I follow Jesus, the Messiah, 
um, that I worship the one true God, the God of Abraham. And I spoke the fact that, that I too pray. I pray every day. I pray for them. And um, within minutes of me finishing that, um, I didn't realize, but it had been videoed. I wasn't asked, but I didn't mind. <laughs> because it went out on their Facebook page, Stockport Muslim Foundation page, and it's gone wide. Um, so just that, that um, opportunity to speak the name of Jesus in a mosque. And the reception was terrific it really was the warmth um, and the appreciation and the common ground that is being established so really quite excited about what's what's going on on Easter Sunday um, we joined with other churches in Heal Green and we did a walk of witness so a cross was carried through our we call it a village it's not a village and we call Manchester town don't we going into town it's not a town I grew up in Devon. I know what a village is all about. I can't see many cows. Oh, well, I can, can't I? Looking out of our, or sheep. Um, so, but we call it the village. And so about 60 people joined together. If you can remember, Good Friday was a beautifully sunny day. And um, we, uh, we stopped in um, three places through the village. And we sang and we prayed and we um, upheld the cross. And that, that felt powerful and it felt good. And then on Sunday morning... Um, we worshipped um, the fact that Jesus is alive, Jesus is risen. And it's actually Easter that I want to refer to this morning. Um, it was only two weeks ago. Um, do you know, for us as Christians, every Sunday is Easter Sunday, isn't it? Every, every Sunday, in fact, every day is an opportunity to celebrate and rejoice in the fact that Jesus is alive. It's great to do it on Easter Sunday. It's great to kind of capture that. And think that actually our faith is based on a historic moment. So it's good to do that. But in reality, it's true for us. And we live in the light of the resurrection of a risen, reigning Jesus every day, every moment. So, so that was only two weeks ago. And probably the chocolate has gone. Um, the reality of what it's all about remains as true, as vivid, as living as always. So I want to take us back to one of the resurrection accounts this morning. I want to pick up. I want to pick up on, on, on Mary. I want us to enter into Mary's experience, Mary Magdalene, her experience on that first day. I think on that first Easter day, I think there's some keys for us in that particular account of the resurrection that take us forward in our lives as disciples of the risen Jesus every single day. So if you've got your Bibles or your smartphones or tablets, whatever, I'm going to be reading from John and chapter 20, the account of Mary, the very first um, day of the week when Mary discovers the amazing truth that Jesus is not dead, but he is alive. So um, chapter 20 of John's gospel and reading from verse 1. Early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciples, the, uh, sorry, the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and I don't know where they've put it. Peter and the other disciples ran to the tomb to see. The other, uh, other disciple outran Peter and got there first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. 
Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noted and noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying to the side. Then the other disciple also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they hadn't realized that the scriptures said he would rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels sitting at the head and foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She glanced over her shoulder and saw someone standing behind her. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She looked, she turned towards him and explained, exclaimed, teacher, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the father, but go find my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my father and your father, my God and your God. I want us just to get, get into this story if we can. Um, Tozer, some of you will have read Tozer, um, know of Tozer. Tozer said this about reading the Bible. He said, we should discipline ourselves to read the word until it comes alive. Until we can almost feel the breath of God. There's something about an account that calls us to go there, to be there, to feel it, to, to, to put ourselves in that place, to experience what the, 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 uh, the, the people there were experiencing. And I want us to do that with Mary for a moment. I want us to see if we too can journey on that very first morning to that place that we now call the empty tomb. And, and people have, have, have written about why was it, and we see that Jesus um, is there, and Mary is there, and she is caught up in her grief, and she looks, and she doesn't see Jesus. She doesn't recognize that Jesus is there. And people have written and tried to explain why it is that, 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 he, you know, that she didn't um, recognize him. And I want us to be there for a moment. I want us to go and see if, in fact, we would recognize him there. Because I think there was something about that morning. There was something about where Mary was at right in that particular moment that is actually not uncommon for all of us at some point. And in fact, this morning, somebody might be in a similar situation to Mary. There was something about Mary's experience that meant for her at that moment, she just couldn't see Jesus. Although he was there, she couldn't see him. She couldn't recognize him. Now, why was that? I think it was something to do with the fact that at that moment in time, her whole world was upside down. There was a complete disorientation in her thinking and in her world. You see, what she had just been through the changes that she had seen over the last few days left her wondering, what 
is it all about? What is happening? So for Mary, in in the course of just seven days, she had seen Jesus coming into Jerusalem. She had followed him for, for most of the years of his three years of ministry. She had been there. She had listened. She had served. She had watched. She was there as part of the larger crowd that with, with Jesus. And seven days earlier, she had been swept along with the crowd as they declared Hosanna, the king. And she had been there and she'd seen it in her heart. Can you imagine that feeling, that sense that at last people are seeing and understanding who this person is that I have learned to love, to follow, to cherish, to adore. And she was there at that triumphal entry. She'd seen when he was day after day following that teaching in the, uh, in, in the, uh, in the temple. She had been there as those words of life, of, those rev- of that incredible revelation that opened eyes. She'd been there when miracles happened and she'd seen sick people being made well. She'd seen the hopeless coming into hope. She had seen the dead come alive. She'd seen sinners broken, forgiven and given new life. She'd been there. She'd seen it. And then suddenly things had started to change. And the change was rapid and the change was huge because suddenly she would have seen Jesus, the one that she loved, being taken away, being taken into, into captivity, being taken. And she, she would have seen over hours a, a change in the crowd, a crowd that were crying Hosanna. Just a few days later, crying, crucify him. And that, her whole world, her whole hopes, everything, suddenly thrown into disarray, thrown into confusion. And she had seen this one whom she'd loved, who she felt was the hope, not just hers, but her family, her nation, the world. She had seen all of those hopes dragged out of the city to a place of execution. And she was there when he was nailed to the cross She was there when he breathed his last. And for her in that moment of disorientation, the whole thing came to an end. The one who was her hope was dead. And so three days later, in the dark hours, even before light has come, she heads to this place to where the tomb is. And she expects to find a stone a final stone against the tomb that she knows where he's been laid. And her world is upside down. She is disorientated. And in that disorientation, with the tears in her eyes and the anxiety in her heart, somehow for her, she cannot see Jesus. Desperate, but unable to see him. Even though he is there, Something of the external world and the inner anxiety changes her perspective. And she doesn't recognize that Jesus is there. External confusion of the cross led to internal disorientation and a state of anxiety, which in turn led to an inability to recognize what was going on around her, mainly what God 
was doing. And as a consequence, she didn't recognize the presence of Jesus. Now let's just be there with her for a moment. How many times for you, how many times for me, when things are uncertain, when we are not sure what is happening, when we too are disappointed, when we too can't quite understand what God is doing, do we too struggle to see Jesus? Do we too struggle to know his presence? Are you with me? Can you sense that? Can you begin to feel the depth that Mary was in? Have you been there yourself? When hopes have been dashed? When you thought something was going to happen and it hasn't happened? When you believed God was doing something in a particular way and it hasn't come to pass? All of a sudden, the world seems uncertain. There's doubt, there's disorientation. Where at those times... It's the Jesus that you felt, you knew, who had spoken to you, who was close. And yet all of a sudden, things have changed. I believe we too, at times, lose sight of Jesus. And like Mary, our one, number one need is to recognize that Jesus is there. For Mary, at this moment, when deep within her, she felt that God was nowhere, N-O-W-H-E-R-E, -E, nowhere. The reality was that God was in fact now here, N-O-W-H-E-R-E, -E, the same spelling but a world of difference. Mary feeling he's nowhere, in reality he in fact was now here. He was there in the garden. In her moment of despair, in her moment of uncertainty, he wasn't nowhere. He was, in fact, now here. Is there a lesson for us on that first resurrection morning when we, too, at times, struggle? What is God doing? Where is he for me right now? And we, at times, feel we cannot see him. But Mary had a lesson to learn. In fact, he was there. He was there. Our first need, just like Mary's, is to recognize the presence of Jesus. I love, I love this response. When, she, when, when Jesus speaks to her and asks her, why are you crying? Who are you seeking? And she explains, they've taken him. I don't know where he is. And what does he do? He doesn't do a lot of theological explanation. He doesn't chastise her and say, look, let me take you through scripture. You know, where is your faith now, Mary? What's, you know, what's the problem? No, he doesn't do any of that. He looks at her and he speaks her name, Mary. I love her response. Have you ever thought about the word that she responds with? In some versions you might have, they use the Aramaic word, the actual word that she would have spoken, the sounds which would have come out of her mouth, the word Rabboni, which means teacher. Have you ever thought, why did she respond with the word teacher? Is there something for us to learn there? She didn't respond by saying his name. She didn't respond by saying Lord. She didn't respond in any other way. She just fell and said, 
teacher? Was her heart cry at that moment saying, show me your ways. Teach me. At that moment when she realized that her orientation was altogether wrong. And she responds with, oh, teacher. How that to me expressed her desire to see things differently, to know things differently, to understand the reality of God and what God is doing. That even in the darkest moments, there is something to see and learn about the plan and the purpose of God. And her heart cries out, show me, teach me, lead me, teacher. I just love that response. And I kind of think for me at times when I'm really uncertain, really unsure, when things aren't what I thought they should be, in an unplanned place, at an unplanned pace. Have you found yourself there? You didn't write the script. You wouldn't have put things together to say where you are right now. And sometimes it's just all too slow, isn't it? You just need things to happen so much quicker. You just need God to deliver. And you feel as if it's wrong. I didn't plan it this way. In that unplanned place or that unplanned pace. What a response to say, teacher, Jesus, the now here, show me your ways. Teach me your ways. Let your past be made known to me. Find him and learn from him. We sang chorus this morning, one of the songs we sang, um, which um, I've got it in my notes twice, the scripture it came from. And um, I've spoken from here before, and I think every time I speak, you will hear these words. Romans 8, 20, uh, 28 and 29. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. For God, for those that God chose Sorry, those that God foreknew, he also chose to be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus. So that he, Jesus, would be the firstborn among many. In all things, in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Mary, Christ, teacher, in all things, show me. In this place that I had not seen. In this place that I certainly wouldn't have chosen. At this time, show me your ways. Teach me. God uses all things to shape us. Can we cry, teacher? Can we be open to being shaped by him? Are we prepared to learn from Jesus? I think that Easter message is learn. See. Adore, wonder, but learn. The teacher will show us his ways. If the answer for us is yes, then I think there are three things. I'm going to cover these quite quickly. There are three fundamental lessons in this account that will set us as kind of foundation stones, lessons for our ongoing everyday life in the light of Jesus being risen. There are three things that I believe Mary will have taken from that encounter and she will have taken them on and she will have worked through them every day for the rest of her life as a disciple 
as one who says, teacher, I'm the disciple, you're the discipler, you're my teacher. There are three key um, uh, lessons for us to learn. And they all begin with the same word. And the word is persevere. Persevere. There's no getting away from it. That as a disciple of Jesus, of the risen Jesus, perseverance is a core to everything. And I believe in this uh, short account, we're called to a perseverance in longing, a perseverance in repentance, and a perseverance in serving. So perseverance in longing. So Mary teaches us this. She got up before it was light, and she went. There was something in her heart She was going to go to where she felt the body of Jesus was because something in her heart longed, even if it was to be close to where his body was, something said, I want to be there on this, even before it gets light, a longing. And then she weeps, she cries, her heart is longing for Jesus. And you know, we can, it's a first lesson as a follower of Jesus. If we look upon him as our teacher, then there's something about learning to persevere in longing. Don't give up on that early morning seeking him. Don't give up on making him your first. Don't give up on on, on looking for his presence in every situation, in every circumstance. The moment we start looking elsewhere, the moment we start allowing our energy to go somewhere else, we miss, we lose the presence of Jesus. We learn, we, we miss that opportunity to learn lessons from, from him. Jeremiah said, um, you will seek me and you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, the longing. The psalm writer in Psalm 42 said, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants after you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Persevere in longing. I think for Mary, there were going to be many more early morning pursuits of the purposes of God. There are for me, there are for you. There are many times when we feel it's a tomb and we need to find the presence of the living Jesus. It doesn't have to be in the morning, it can be any time. But something in our heart that says, I want to find my teacher. I want to find the Lord. There's a longing. Seek him above all else. When I was a, a lad, um, I think it was Billy Graham. Billy Graham was still very much on the scene preaching in, in various places. And um, I remember hearing him once. And um, something that stuck in my mind, he said, if he, talking about Jesus, is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. That longing him put him first. Paul said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Um, 
a Scottish uh, minister who died at the age of 29 in the early 19th century. Robert Murray McChaney, books are written about him. In his 29 years, he burned with passion for Christ and was instrumental in many um, people coming to know Christ and in, in, in a movement which really kind of led to, um, to, to, to the later revivals. And Robert Murray McChaney, who died at the age of 29, said this, learn much of the Lord Jesus. For every look at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. He is altogether lovely. Live much in the smiles of God. Bask in his beams. Feel his all-seeing eye settled on you in love and repose in his almighty hands. In the um, early uh, years of the 1830s, on, the Feb on February the 23rd, Robert uh, Murray McChaney wrote this in his journal. Sabbath, rose early to seek God and found him whom my soul loveth. Who would not rise early to meet such company? A perseverance of longing. Cultivate a pers perseverance of longing. Isaiah 50 55, come all you who are thirsty. Jesus picked that up. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. A perseverance in longing. And then a perseverance in repenting. Mary had to learn in that moment that the way she saw the world had to change. Her understanding needed to do a complete change, a 180 degree change from where she was to where he was. That's the essence of repentance. It's a change of thinking. It's a change of mind. Her worldview had to change. She had to persevere in repenting. I know that day by day, my worldview needs to change. That how I at times view what is going on around me. The assessments that I make of the situations and the circumstances that I'm in, how often I need a 180 degree change to actually say, Lord, teach me, show me your ways, give me your heart, let me understand what you are doing. A perseverance in repenting. Mary had to learn that her understanding and her interpretation of what was going on around her needed to be reorientated. She needed to find Jesus and see Jesus alive and ruling over and through the darkest of situations. Isaiah said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I've learnt, and I've been a, a Christian for just short of 50 years. So I was nine years of age when I became a Christian. I had a, a conversion experience, so it's nearly 50 years. And in 50 years, I have learnt that daily I need to change the way I think. I need to repent. Left to my own devices, I go off in the wrong direction I go into self-pity. I go into um, judgmentalism. I go into, uh, into a harsh way of viewing others 
I need, 50 years later, still to persevere in repentance. Often I know my perspective is inaccurate. My thoughts are not complete and my motives are not pure. I need to persevere in repentance. Paul said, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Everything happens to make us more like Jesus. You can quote at me, can you? Romans 8 verse 28, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So we want everything now. We live in a society that wants everything now, don't they? We want it today. Let me say that he is as much in the delay as he is in the today. And as followers of Jesus, we need to learn that often it's in the delay that his purposes are being worked out. I want it today. He will use and change me in the delay. So don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. A perseverance in longing, a perseverance in repenting and a perseverance in serving. Jesus said to Mary, go, go and tell. Go and tell my brothers, go and tell them what's happening. Go and tell. There was something for Mary to do. The foundation of every follower of Jesus who says teacher is that he will ask us to go and to serve. Mary was given a task. I am a child of God and I am a servant of the risen Jesus. Persevere in serving. Play your part in the body. Wash feet. Give generously. Shine like stars in a dark world. Meet together. Look in your Bibles. Do a search on one another. The one another's of the New Testament. We're told to encourage one another, offer hospitality to one another, be devoted to one another, submit to one another, keep on loving one another, spur one another on, be kind and compassionate to one another, don't grumble against one another. There is a perseverance in serving. Paul said, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Jesus sent Mary, he's sending us. A perseverance in serving. The last words he spoke before he ascended into heaven were, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Go into the world. A perseverance in longing, a perseverance in repenting, and a perseverance in serving. So may you today hear the voice of Jesus call out your name. In both the joys and fullness of life, as well as in the darkest and bleakest of moments. May you be empowered in the knowledge that he is now here. And may you be, be strengthened in the Holy Spirit to persevere in longing 
in repentance, in serving. Amen. Thank you.